Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love, self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. Hello, everyone. We are back again with Love Extremist Radio, and I'm coming at you live from Philadelphia, PA, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Used to live here, went to school here, and just came back for Breakout, which is an amazing event that brings together leaders and activists and artists from all over the country who are doing really important work to converge and learn about a city. And this time we learned about Philly. We've learned about Tulsa. We've gone to Atlanta. I've gone to Portland with Breakout. Um, But I I am now here in Philly. And just yesterday, I met an incredible individual who I'm so happy to be speaking with in her home. Uh, So thank you for inviting me in. Um, Her name is Cassandra Lopez. Cassandra Lopez, excuse me. Um, She's a soon-to-be freshman in college majoring in psychology. With the help of her mentorship, the I Am Project, and I believe I met one of her mentors yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, Leslie, um, she was able to start her own podcast entitled It Be Like That. Her goal is to help adolescents make the transition from being dependent students into independent adults. She has also been recently writing her passionate messages in the form of articles and essays. What's up, Cassandra? Hey, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We're like old friends, new friends. Right. <laughs> so yesterday, we were hanging out in the park, chilling on this blanket, mm-hmm. and you were asking me the most amazing questions about love. Mm-hmm. Um, I was introduced to you as a love extremist, which I am, um, but really someone who's passionate about studying love and understanding it. And I love the questions you were asking me, and I also would love to just hear a little bit about your story behind your story, right? Like right. you wrote out this beautiful bio, but also you obviously have a context in terms of where you're coming to this conversation from. Mm-hmm. So how do you define love as it stands for you as an 18-year-old getting ready to go to college here in South Philly? Like what is love? Okay, so I think my first experience of love, first experience of love come from my family. So I don't think I've ever really had... Um, a big romantic love yet. I've mm-hmm. never been in love. I don't think I think I've had um, experiences that I've hoped to be something like that, but never fully um, have been in love. But with my family, the way that I think of love is um, just people that I think about, people that I want to see succeed, people that if they're hurting, I'm hurting. Um, I think togetherness and feeling that togetherness when we're all hanging out, just eating dinner, like the small moments is what I would contribute to like a bigger love that you feel inside for family Mm. and um and I remember our conversation yesterday you were talking about (laughs) these different aspects or different uh categories of love so you can have romantic love you can have family love and then you can have outside love towards um activism or Mm -hmm. the earth and things like that and I've recently found a new love for our earth and taking care of it um and spreading positive messages about conservation and reusing Mm. things and not wasting or um, not using one-use-only plastic and things like that. Super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love what you said about the kind of, like, looking out for people and believing in them and supporting them. Like, I fully, like, relate to that in terms of how I define love. Mm -hmm. And I think your curiosity about romantic love and how that all looks is definitely, like, a big open question mark. And I'll tell you, that question mark remains for the rest of your life. (laughs) So I would say one thing in terms of what I've learned about romantic love and a lot of the people I've interviewed is that it's an exploration and it can be considered a creative project just like anything else. Mm. So you getting into environmentalism is a 
creative projects, you're looking at what are some things that you can do. You can stop using single-use plastics, right? You can start to be more aware of conservation and what you can do in your neighborhoods and in your community and advocate for that. Right. That's a project. You know, you're curious about it. You learn about it. You then share your wisdom with the friends that you hold close or your family. Same thing goes for love and romance, I think. Like, it's a creative project. You learn from others. You learn from people who've been in relationships. You learn from your family. And then you bring what you know into it. And then your partner has other things that they know. And they bring what they bring. And and so it's kind of this creative molding of something. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a beautiful, like, you're you're articulating um, kind of a number of different frames of how you're experiencing love. And so you, you have a deep family love. What does that, yeah. what, how does that show up? What does that feel like? Um, what are regular things where you feel love in your family? Like rituals or things that you guys do together? Okay, so one thing is family game night that we do. What? Yeah, so it's just sometimes if there's like a big gathering or something. So for example, my cousin um, came up from Florida recently and we took him to a trip to New York and um, we enjoyed the Pride Parade or the, the day yeah. before Pride Parade and there was a bunch of stuff going on there and cool. um, we ended the night just by going home and playing Uno together and just <laughs> laughing at different things, uh, reminiscing about the past when we used to live together in New yeah. Jersey and things like that. Um, so so that's cool. one big one that I think I feel a lot of family love. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, game night. Mm -hmm. I actually just rediscovered this. So my partner, Michelle, and I had a friend over for dinner, and he brought a board game. Mm -hmm. And he was telling us that oftentimes, like, when he starts getting to know a woman, like, in a romantic sense, like, he plays board games with her. And yeah, and for him, it's like this kind of like fun, like mind and like play thing, or it's like, let's see how we do in these games. Oh, that competitive nature. Yeah, it's like competitive, but it's also like strategic, and it's like, you know, I don't know. He he has all sorts of reasons for it, but it was really interesting. But I'd say, even in in my partnership with Michelle, like we like to play games together as well, and and there's there's something to that, like having like. Mm having these, like, opportunities to engage in a ritual, like, game night or even a meal, and that gives you a reason to have a conversation or just to laugh and enjoy each other's company, so. Mm -hmm. And I think also, um, when you're younger, you don't remember the detail of things. Okay. Um, So when you're down, you're playing a game. It's something so innocent, so joyful. Right. I just think it's, like, it brings you back to a childhood nostalgic state. Yeah. That's so just full of innocence and love and things that... I think that's also another element of it that kind of makes it so welcoming. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get into your kind of curious joyfulness, and you're not stressing about whatever, Mm -hmm. responsibilities and other things. That's, That's a great point. So... You were asking me a lot about love yesterday. I was, yeah. And I, I, I don't want to repeat the conversation word for word, but I'd love mm-hmm. to just share with our listeners, what are you thinking about? Like, what are, what are the big questions you have on your mind as it regards to love that you feel haven't been answered for you in your life or mm-hmm. aren't clear through the schooling you've been through or your friendships and things like that? Yeah. Okay, so I think the biggest one for me was setting boundaries and um how can you excuse me sorry how can you still love yourself when you love someone else that isn't good for you and how do you know how to walk away from that and um how do you get over that emotionally when you're sorry when you're so emotionally attached still Mm -hmm. yeah that was one of my main questions yeah it's such an intricate (laughs) one and like a, a, a detailed one and so have you found um, have you found any answers for that yet? Like, is that something that you have friends that are advocating for, like, or, like, helping you out, and do you talk to people about it? Or? Definitely, yeah. So, um... What's the advice you've gotten so far? So far, my, I think my advice is, um... One, okay, so my mom, she was... She's literally been through all of this with me. She sees my different um, behaviors and mannerisms when I'm in kind of a weird state with another person or something Mm -hmm. like that. So she was the main one that kind of pointed it out to me. She's like, Cassie, you're so much more hardworking. You're more lively. You're more bright. You hang out with us more when you're by yourself and you're not worrying about what other people are thinking about you or Mm -hmm. what this other person is doing while you're not around or Mm -hmm. how they feel about you, you know? And so um, it was just energy placement and how that affected me Mm -hmm. and how... Um, putting my energy for me actually benefited 
my whole life holistically in a much healthier way. You're right. Um, so I think that's what I focus on now when I think when I get in a state where I'm like, oh, I miss this person or hey, um, maybe this could work out or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point is going to those who you trust and love, mm-hmm. like your mom or other friends and be like, how do you see me when I'm with this person or when I'm thinking about that person, right? Mm-hmm. And does that feel like I am fuller? Am I a better person? Am I myself, right? Am I enjoy? Am I contributing to your life? Do you feel good when you're around me and I'm in that zone? Mm-hmm. Or is it kind of like not the me that you love, right? And like, right. like what is that? And I think your friends and your loved ones and your family know you best and they'll be able to call you out yeah. if you let them. But you have to ask for it because a lot of them might say, you know what, like, I'm not, I don't want to make you upset or, you know, mm-hmm. I have my own opinions, but I don't want to push In too course, hard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think that that's a really important thing to notice. And I think what you noticed was, okay, when you're focused on yourself and you're not distracted by maybe someone else's views or thoughts or what they're feeling in the moment, you're able to be a more full person and enjoy the moment and be complete with others. And I think that's not to say that all relationships are going to pull you out of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think what's important is to notice which relationships make you more whole, make you feel more full Mm -hmm. and more confident when you're alone, and which relationships make you feel less. Yeah. And sometimes there are cycles where as we're growing and we're learning about love, it feels as though maybe it often leads to this sense of like, oh, you complete me, right? Or like, I am not, I'm incomplete without my love or mm-hmm. without my feeling of fulfillment of someone else filling up my cup. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we are often, maybe it comes from just being a kid and like being dependent upon our parents, right? Yeah. And having needing, you know, our folks to be around to help us eat and get around and grow and there's a certain period of time in our lives when we're dependent on family and then as we become adolescents and then adults mm-hmm. it's always like oh um i don't really necessarily need my family anymore the way i did before mm-hmm. and you start to live on your own you go to school and you start to figure out how to make more money for yourself and take care of yourself in different ways mm-hmm. and as that evolves and shifts you start to realize that maybe it's easy for us to transplant that sense of dependency onto like a partner, right? And so some people stay together with their high school sweetheart and maybe they shift from being kind of dependent in familial relationships to being dependent in their intimate relationships and their partnerships. And other people, um, and I don't want to make any judgment on that, but there's a lot of people that do that. Then, then there's other people who transition into like learning how to really deeply love themselves out of being in relationship with another person mm-hmm. and getting into that space of kind of self-love and then moving into maybe partnerships or activism work or all of that. And I really advocate for that path largely because that's how it's been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really speak for someone who um, maybe fell in love right in high school and, and has stayed with that person for the rest of their life. Um, but for me, I had a lot of time when I was on my own and I had to learn how to really love myself and not feel like I was craving another person to complete me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, what comes up from that? What are you thinking? So uh, my first question is on that <laughs> journey of discovering yourself and finding your own independence and your own self-love, what were some tactics that you used or what are some things that you really practice for yourself to get to fruition of who you are today. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So I just want to say, Cassandra's going to be asking me a lot of questions, and I'm going to be talking a lot in this episode. I'm going to ask her as much as I can. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the nature of yesterday's convo was I was was speaking a lot, and so forgive me. You might hear my voice more than you normally do. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of my path to self-love, it's been ongoing, and there's so many different modes that have gotten me there and one of the questions that I've really been grappling with lately has been around trauma and like facing challenging things Mm -hmm. and how those obstacles in our lives become tests that we can either choose to fall into depression or kind of see them as really difficult bad things 
or take the face of them head on and be like, no, I'm going to grow from this. and I'm going to learn from this. Mm-hmm. And I think for better or worse, when we are faced with challenges and difficult situations as our life progresses, um, I was faced with a really challenging diagnosis. I was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so I had to go through surgery and chemotherapy and radiation and a lot of doctor's visits and mm-hmm. hospitals and needles in my arm and all sorts of crazy medication. And through that process, I decided this was going to be a practice of deepening my self-love. So I changed my diet. I started meditating more frequently. I stopped doing work that I didn't feel like was in my purpose or in my calling anymore. Um, I, I started really focusing my time and my attention on making art and on doing work that really filled me up mm-hmm. and made me feel good. And I also put a lot of time and attention into healing. And healing can mean so many things, right? It could mean making art. It could mean going to a therapist, which I started doing. It could mean um, having conversations with friends that I needed to have, with family that I needed to have, that I was holding off on, right? Just getting into truth. Mm. And so I think really honoring your truth is a really important part of self-love. Um, and that can, you don't need trauma to do that. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely on that path beforehand. I think in order to face trauma in a positive way, you kind of have to set yourself up for that, right? Because it's so easy if, if things have been really challenging and you've come from a place of darkness a lot of your life, when you're hit with more darkness, it just bring, continues to spiral downwards. Mm-hmm. So setting yourself up is really like creating a set of tools that you have in your pockets at all times that you can pull out. And some of the most simple ones around self-love are just recognizing the beauty in every moment Mm -hmm. and looking around you and like in every moment there is something you can look at that can bring you joy. I guarantee you wherever you are. And like, even if sometimes it's scale, right? Like sometimes you need to like zoom in really close and look at a blade of grass or an ant in the park or a caterpillar, right? That Mm -hmm. we were hanging out with yesterday. Sometimes you need to zoom out and look at the sky, right? Sometimes you got to look at the texture of the concrete that's in front of you, whatever. Like there's so many ways to see it, but I really think allowing our senses and so eyesight is one of them. Smell is another touch sound, Mm -hmm. Starting to take in and really allow your senses to, to be sources of fuel for your life and really find value in all the things that you experience in your senses. That's a huge part of starting in self-love and starting wow. to build that. And from a young age, I started studying art and learning how to see differently, how to like perceive the city in different ways, how to look at the lines in the city and notice how the streets were laid out and how the buildings were designed and really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I was just noticing the architecture on your street and the block down there are all these old houses that have really cool architecture and arches and different window shapes and it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? And then the trees that hang over the street and I was just looking as I was waiting for you to come in the door and I'm like, whoa, this is a beautiful Philly street, Yeah, you know? And some people see that and they're like, whatever, it's a city street, it's Mm -hmm. wet, you know? Or like, there's there's nothing there. And I appreciate that. Like, everyone has their own experience but you gotta find what's beautiful to you And then allow that to let you up, allow that to fill you up. Mm -hmm. So the other step to that, I think, is like being able to breathe it in. Literally, like take deep breaths in the beauty that you see and really enjoy it fully. And don't just pass it by, but say like, wow, like I see that. I love it. I love my life because I can love it. Mm -hmm. You know, recognizing you have this superpower, which isn't, it's a power that we all have. And that superpower is to be able to appreciate and be in gratitude. Yeah. And so that comes back to what you were saying about family, what you're saying about game night, what you're saying about um, going to New York and you know having a cool trip with your fam and being a tourist. All these experiences, really just being grateful and being able to say like, yo, like I'm living this life right now and I get to hang out and have my podcast. I get to have these amazing mentors. I have these great friends. What a world, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and, and so there's another practice I like to do that is a daily thing you can do where you wake up before... As you wake up every day, you keep a little journal next to your bed and you write down five things you're grateful for. A gratitude journal. Yeah. You know about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so have you ever done that? Um, so late at night, I usually do that. If I yeah. can't sleep mm-hmm. and, you know, I just want something to kind of distract me, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really resonated what you said about the senses mm. um, because for me, I 
So when I experience something, I might not understand it then, but later in the future, I feel the essence of it, kind of like, so um, smelling a certain face wash that I used to use um, in middle school, like hmm. if I just smell it, it'll bring me back to that moment. Totally. Or, smell memory is strong. Yeah. Or um, just coloring with my mom or something, that'll just bring me back to a moment when we were just living in old houses or things like that. So just... Um, yeah, just how sensory things can activate gratitude for you or um, just, like, things that make you feel good. And, like, oh, I'm glad I was able to experience that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, helping you build up and be grateful for everything that you had in your past. That's something I really resonate with. Yeah, and I think it's what's, what's important is not to let those things pass by unnoticed. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, starting by realizing, okay, this is what I love. And then the next step is taking a moment to love it. Mm. And so one of the things I like to do is just to like sometimes if I notice that I'm doing something I love, I just yell out, I love my life, <laughs> literally. And I like be in the ocean just like swimming, right? I'm like, oh, I love my life. Nice. You know what I mean? Because like you jump in the sea and it's like, what? Where am I? What is this? Or, you know, uh, driving down the street and it's, you know, the perfect temperature and the yeah. perfect song is on and it's like, let's go, you know? So recognizing that and being able to be in gratitude around that is really important. Mm-hmm. A teacher, I speak about this a little bit. When I got my diagnosis, I went to see a healer, and he recommended that I identify what my perfect day would be. And it's a really interesting exercise because we're not really trained to think about what our perfect day would be. We often have to do things. Mm-hmm. I got to go to school. I got to go to work. I got to eat. I got to see my friends. And we're in reactive mode based on the responsibilities that we either definitely have or think we have or make for ourselves to keep ourselves busy. But if you were to be in choice 100% of the time, think about what what would be the things that you would choose to do in your perfect day. And it's a hard exercise. But once you do that, you can start to recognize, oh, wow, I can actually do some of these things, right? Like, yeah. for me, it's like, just get on a bike and go for a bike ride. That's easy, you know? Or don't don't drive, actually, and, like, maybe take the train somewhere new or treat myself to a beautiful meal and cook for myself, right? These are all things that are pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just recognizing that those simple things that we can do for ourselves, and that's a really self-loving exercise and, and helps make lift ourselves up and just recognize the love that we have in our life. Um, and I guarantee you, the more you practice these things on a regular basis, the more you will resonate with love and be able to share it. And as you share it, it comes back to you in spades. Mm-hmm. And sharing it is like a smile, it's a hug, it's a joke, right? It can be with a stranger or someone you've known forever. It doesn't matter. You can light people's days up when you're lit up. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you already know, if you're upset, if you're struggling, if you're like down... It's not that that's bad. It's just when you're in that state, it's much harder to light someone else up, to be there for someone else. Mm -hmm. And yet when you're working on yourself and feeling really good, you can show up for others and bring them light and joy. Mm -hmm. Totally. So for me, I do that a lot. So um, kind of the exercise that you said, think about your perfect day. So I don't do it necessarily in that sense, but I think about my future career. I think Mm. about um, things that I want for myself. A really big one is travel and um, having the beach in my backyard. That would be mm. so amazing. Um, and when I figure out what exactly I want to do, that's still a journey that I'm taking right now, but when I figure that out, working towards it. And um, it feels so good when I feel like I'm doing something productive towards that. When I'm working towards having something that, having a life that I truly, I'll wake up in the morning and be like, I'm so happy that this is my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I see other people doing that, other people working towards their dreams or other people working towards um, making themselves feel fulfilled, I kind of want to help them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also from my experience and my mentorship. Um, I have two mentors, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Howard, she's a DC-based psychiatrist, uh, no, not psychiatrist, psychotherapist, sorry. Cool. And uh, Leslie Williams, who right. also helped me with the mentorship. And yeah. Um, the love that they poured into me and the belief that they gave, I want to be able to spread that as well. And like you said, it's an upward spiral. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing to have mentors. I, I can relate. Like having older folk who see you and see your light and are, are able to support you. And I also think there's something in the crux of that beautiful goal you have, right? The vision you have for your future mm-hmm. and what you're working towards. And as a young person or any person, we're constantly often thinking about our future and what's coming. And that's such an important thing, right? You always want to have meaning in your life. You always want to have that goal and that vision, that destination. Mm -hmm. And 
you want to find gratitude and love in what's here right now. Mm -hmm. And so there's this balance. And I think that's how I defined love yesterday. It was like a combination of seeing the potential, which is the future, of another person or of the world or of the community or and loving where they're at right now mm -hmm. and loving yourself where you're at right now, being able to stop and breathe and just be present and be like, yes, I'm going to have the beach in my backyard and I'm going to be, you know, a psychologist or a therapist and a mentor for other people. And I, I am that in so many ways right now and I'm learning and I'm growing and this is so cool to be on this journey. Yeah, for sure. And to be honest with you, like, you're, you have a podcast, right? You, you seem like you are a leader amongst your family, amongst your community. You know, I, from what I know of you, which is very little, like, mm -hmm. I can tell that you're already starting to do this work, mm -hmm. which is an indication that you are living in your truth and you are actualizing your vision, right? Yeah. And to actualize your vision is like the highest form of what people talk about, like hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell that's me, a, you know about that's it? That's a side thing. Yeah. yeah. I learned about it. So it's, I think it starts with um, food, water, mm -hmm. and then shelter, mm -hmm. and then um, love, mm -hmm. and then um, I forgot the next one. Well, yeah, it's like food, clothing, shelter, safety, and safety, security. Yeah. Then it's love and connection, and then it's self-actualization. Yeah, and that's the biggest one. Yeah, and and so well, a lot of people are still focused on you know food, clothing, shelter, right? Mm -hmm. Like living day to day, and and that's the reality for so many of us. And mm -hmm. you know we need to honor that reality and that truth, and find ways to make space for building safety, right? Of course, that's so important. Building trust building security, building places where you, everyone feels comfortable. And then the next step, getting finding love and cultivating love, and then getting into this self-actualization where we're really like be able to spread love. Self-actualization, mm -hmm. I, I think, is really just taking that self-love mm -hmm. and bringing that out into the world. And being like, I have purpose. Yeah. I'm taking my love and I'm giving it away, mm -hmm. right? And whatever that looks like, if that's your career, if that's your hobbies, if that's your family, there's so many ways that that can exist. Yeah. I think there's a fear in that a little bit as well. I think I've seen that in myself when I've tried to complete projects or um, trying to be vulnerable with even people within my family or outside people especially. So how do you think one can battle that fear and self-actualize? It's a, it's definitely one of the most scary things. Yeah. Because like it's the most real right and it's like you're most vulnerable you're putting yourself out there you're doing your you're, you're speaking your truth you're doing the work and mm -hmm. part of the fear might be um you might not feel ready you might feel like i need to work on myself first mm -hmm. um and sometimes that's accurate yeah. i would argue constantly be working it's not like one thing comes before the other i think it's actually like in tandem like you can build a podcast you can start studying, you can start practicing and like being a coach and a mentor for younger people or even for older people. You can mentor me, you know, you can mentor, <laughs> mentor your, your, your folks, your grandparents, right? Cross mentorship's real. Mm -hmm. and, and being kind of doing the work on yourself and out in the world is a great way to kind of combat that fear because on yourself, you're noticing the fears and you're feeling them. And you're like, all right, like, I, I need to work through this. I need to understand that I'm in fear. And then notice that that fear, sometimes a certain healthy amount of fear is actually like an indication that you need to keep walking towards that thing, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't want to do anything dumb, but like if you are afraid or nervous, that means like probably it's worth doing and you should challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. And the feeling of getting past that, it's like running a marathon. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I triumphed, you know? I did it. Yeah. Right? I'm sure you've had experiences in your life where you've gotten over a fear and been like, oh my God, I did it. Yeah, little things, um, especially because I think majority of the things that I think I pull from now is because of I Am Project, but um, my first networking event, just putting myself out there and talking to people and trying to market myself when mm -hmm. I really didn't have any much to market at that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got through the night and I got some context that was kind of a triumphant feeling. And um, one thing that Leslie told me was get comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I love that. Yeah, there's a song that I wrote that is that. It's like, can I get comfortable in the uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Can I be all okay every day? 
Right. <laughs> and it's like, I totally feel that. I think, I think that's such a beautiful point. And I think that there's something inherent in us as humans where we inherently have love and can give that on the spot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that holds value unto itself. So you were just saying, I didn't have much to give, I you know, didn't have experience or whatever it was in this networking event. But if you show up with a smile and a positive attitude and you communicate clearly and you say what excites you and what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. that's sharing love, you know? Right. You might not realize that, but like you're just bringing your energy and it's loving and you're sharing what you love mm-hmm. and someone's curious enough to hear you and, and, and respect that and, and, and call that out of you. And then you can build a rapport. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is actually more effective than any experience you could possibly have. Because when at the end of the day, the relationships you make and the friendships you have and the ability to connect with people is oftentimes more valuable than your resume or your grades. And I've learned that over the years. Like, my relationships have gotten me so much further than my my grades and my you know my education mm-hmm. I, I will say that I made incredible relationships because of my education and because I was able to communicate effectively um, and I, I'm so grateful for the, the schooling and the opportunities I've had and you'll notice that the people you meet the teachers you have they can really lift you up mm-hmm. and can really take you to the next like your mentors you know yeah. it's like that you've had so many teachers but your mentors are the ones that are really lifting you up because you have a relationship with them. Yeah. It's back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's different. It, and not to say you don't have a relationship with teachers, but it's of different. Course. Yeah, that's, that was one thing that they always emphasized was it's about who you know and networking in a most, the most genuine way you know how and just being you and, um, yeah, building that up so they can you can build each other up. You know, I help you out with this and you can help me out with that. And, yeah, that was a big thing that they always taught. Yeah, it's awesome. So yesterday you were asking me if Hollywood love is real. Yeah. And that's such a that question stays with me so much. So first I want to ask you, what is Hollywood love? Okay, so as a youngin, uh, <laughs> I was very much in front of the TV a lot. Okay. And so I think going into high school, I expected the the boys to want to carry my books to class or um, to be swept off my feet and to just be you know, talk to in a sweet way and things like that. So, um, a very romanticized version mm. of what a relationship would be. And I mean, I, I knew that there was, of course, going to be issues, but, you know, what issues do you really have at 14? I was thinking, <laughs> we're just, you know, hanging out. So, yeah, I was just confused on that, how realistic it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, don't settle for anyone who won't carry your books. no I'm just kidding Um, but I do think there's a lot of thoughts around like the concept of chivalry right and the idea of being a gentleman or being a lady right and there are these like all these things and a lot of that is shifting in our culture Um, and a a lot of that comes from actual training like young boys and young women being trained to do certain things as acts of service or to be proper. And that even like comes from culture way before I was born. You know, that, that was just, this is how you treat a lady. This is how, you know, you respect someone. And that still does remain in some circles in Hollywood and some shows. And you do see that historically. It's definitely changing. And sometimes some would say for the better, right? Because the playing field is becoming more equal, right? And so now... Some some women, if a guy came up to try to carry their books, would be like, what are you doing? I can carry my own books. Right. You know, I can look yeah. after myself. I don't need a guy. I don't need you, right? right. And d- dude's like, well, but I'm just trying to, I just okay. want to be friendly, you know? Like, I want to open the door for you. I want to, you know, and, and, and sometimes that's met with, you know, not a good response, and especially today because there's a shift. There's a turning tide where... A lot of women, young women, and, and people of all genders and backgrounds are saying, I, I want to feel independent. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like I have my own autonomy 
and I don't, I'm not, I don't have to fall into any specific role. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fall into the role of what a traditional, typical man, woman, trans person needs to be. And I think that that is really powerful to recognize that the think that the landscape is changing, and you can take the power. You also, as you were saying about boundaries, like you can set boundaries and also have certain standards that are important to you. And I think what's really valuable is to start to articulate that. Mm -hmm. So when you start to build rapport with someone who you think you might like or who you're kind of curious about, it's like, hey, like, would you mind helping me with my book sometimes? Right. (laughs) And I know that might sound like, oh, it's not not authentic. Yeah. But if someone really likes you, yeah, like they're really going to appreciate that communication. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, communication is the name of the game. Right. Right? Like... I asked you when I walked in your house, can I give you a hug? Exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, even five years ago, that probably wouldn't have been on my mind. Mm-hmm. But, like, in this time, it's like, no, like, we need consent if we're going to touch each other, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing goes in terms of what we might want. And that can get into all sorts of aspects of relationship. But mm-hmm. just being able to articulate uh, what you like. And as you get older, you realize, you know, these are the, my preferences. Mm-hmm. No, you don't have to carry my books, but I'd really love it. If you gave me a call, you know, in the middle of the day to say what's up, you mm-hmm. know, or like if you would have a meal with me a couple times a week or whatever it is, you yeah. know, and figuring out the things that are important to you and being able to say, yo, I value this. Let's do this. Right. And if they're not down, cool. But like, that's their thing. And you get to decide, do you want to, for yeah. you know, ignore that or not? And that's up to you. Right. Yeah. But just being able to start to set the rules. And there's a really cool school of thought that some people subscribe to around love languages. Mm-hmm. And I think love languages are universal. Do you know about them? Um, vaguely, yep. I know my Christian talked to me about that, my mentor. Okay, cool, yeah. So, like, there's five. Um, touch um, is one. Quality time is one. Um, acts of service is one. Mm-hmm. Like, doing things for you. Gifts is one. Um and then the last one is escaping me. But you can look up um, the five love languages. It's very easy to find writing about it online. And I think that actually applies universally. So it works really well in relationships to start to identify some of the things that you like and don't like and how you want to receive and give love. Mm-hmm. It also works in regards to oh, words of affirmation is the last one. Okay, yeah. My partner really responds well to words of affirmation. So yeah. I have to remember you love it when I tell you I love you, when I tell you how beautiful you are. You know, like, I can't just take that for granted, mm-hmm. you know, because that might not be my love language, but for her it really resonates and helps her stay light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that also relates to ourselves. You can treat yourself and say, okay, if my love language is words of affirmation, I can affirm things to myself. I can tell myself things. I can write things down that are affirmations every day. I am strong. I am unique. I am an artist. Whatever it is, I am, I am a supporter. I am a mentor, right? I'm mm-hmm. a teacher. I am a therapist. I'm a leader. These are all great things to affirm your truth. And the more you believe that, the more you become that and you are that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think those love languages apply to the self, to partners, and even to the world in some ways. I mean, I think you can find places where they apply in a more worldly way. Yeah, I think um, what resonated me most with me with what you just said was the fact that roles are changing, mm-hmm. and I see that a lot in the females in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they are in their relationships, very independent, very headstrong, very like I know what I want, and I'll compromise with you to, of course, because we are in a relationship. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm gonna take care of me, type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think setting that as an example, that kind of has translated into me in a way when I look at other people and trying to put myself in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, So even now, I don't think if I was in a relationship, somebody carrying my own books would be important to me. You know, I don't think, you know, I could do that myself. Or I could, you know, I could give myself a ride or, you know, things like that. But I think the offer of it would also be nice. Um, So I think for me that arises the question, if you don't have an example set for you of how, what love should look like or... um, how you should feel when you're in love or things like that. If you've never seen love in your life, mm-hmm. how can you learn it? How can you teach someone it? Things like that, yeah. That's such a deep question. And it's one that I admit is hard for me to answer 
from my own personal experience, largely because I think I had incredible examples of love um, in my family from a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that you can teach it and you can find it. And a lot of that is seeking it sometimes in media. I will admit, like, media Mm -hmm. is a teacher. And that's why I do a podcast, right? And why you do a podcast. And so I think it's about seeking out, like we were saying yesterday, looking for alternative types of media, right? All different stories. Stories of love that might not always be roses and rainbows, but might be challenging, but also really illuminate some of the challenges that are important to acknowledge and and, and know about relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of like The Squid and the Whale as a movie that deals with some challenges in relationships. And there's so many films where you can see, you know, marriages falling apart and sometimes it's dramatized and it's like the worst and it's not good depictions, but you get a balanced view, you know, and you can see certain things that really resonate for you and other things that don't, you know, I really, um, let's see, what are some other places where you can really kind of see, you're talking about specifically kind of partnership models, right? Like healthy relationships. Or anything, even within family or, um, because they're, I was recently reading a book about traumatized children and how um, the archetypes that you were talking about earlier, how their archetypes of love and of um, different types of family members were very skewed because of their experiences and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. just um, someone who hasn't had healthy ones, examples, how could you battle that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about... Sometimes it's about seeking out healthy examples mm-hmm. and finding mentors like you have and peers who you respect and learning from them, um, getting to know their background, mm-hmm. getting to know who are their teachers, right? Who are the, you know, maybe even meeting their teachers, meeting their families, meeting the people that taught them how to love and, mm-hmm. and, and what that was like. I think that's actually a question I like to ask people a lot. Who taught you how to love? Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, sometimes it's a relationship, sometimes it's a family member, sometimes it's a movie, sometimes it's a book. There's a lot of fantastic books that you can read all about love, um, specifically that book, All About Love, which is amazing. <laughs> Bell Hooks writes about love very much in, in an um, academic and also kind of an activist way and, and talks about worldly love and, and, and how men can come back into being in love with themselves and, and, and with the world. Um, but I, I, I think... That question is a really important one to ask. Like, where do we go for healthy um, models? Yeah. And I'd like to say Love Extremist Radio (laughs) to plug myself because I've been studying this for a while. And I I really find that a lot of the interviews I've had have been unbelievable conversations with people from across the spectrum about their experiences and their practices and what they do. Mm -hmm. And so that's a fantastic resource just to look back and say like, oh, wow, like here's someone who has a very different life than mine, but they've come into love in a really cool way. And I want to see how I can explore that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just about putting yourself into new environments and seeing where you connect and trying things out, right? And seeing like, oh, wow, I can really vibe with this person or I can really connect with, you know, in a safe space with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that platonic love is one of the most beautiful and easy places to kind of be like a training ground for what you like. And platonic love, whether it's with someone of the same sex or opposite or wherever, it is, is... I think like almost like a beautiful place for you to start to experiment mm-hmm. and to be like, yo, like, can I get a massage right now? Like, would you like rub my shoulders for a second? Cause like I'm really tense. And some friends are like, what are you talking about? And others are like, yeah, sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love you, you know, like yeah. we're friends. And, and so starting to build, like if, if that's something that feels right, you know, like starting to notice that where your self love needs exist and how you can satisfy them on your on your own, and then also how you can start to explore those needs and those love languages with friends mm. in a platonic way. Right. And I think that's a really interesting training ground. And now this is just coming to me off the cuff, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking like, okay, how do you do that? You maintain boundaries, right? You say like, yo, like, I love our friendship. It's dope. And like, you know, I, I'm curious about like how how I can be more like a better person in my connections with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like would you mind like helping me with like moving today, you know, or would you mind helping me? Yeah. My books are really heavy actually. Like, could you, Mm -hmm. could you help me carry them? And, you know, oftentimes 
your friends will show up and really show love, you know? And, and that's just such a beautiful teacher. And then when you get into contexts of relationships with other people that might be more romantic, that platonic love informs it. And yeah. it's like, well, if my friends were cool to support me and be there for me and give me a massage or help me with my books or help me move or listen, hear me out and listen to me when I had something to say, then my partner should at, at least be able to do some of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously not everyone is going to fulfill every need. Of course, yeah. Like we said yesterday, but in general, I think your friendships can be a really beautiful place to start to see like what your preferences are and what you value and what you don't. Mm-hmm. I totally agree because uh, for me when I'm around, if I'm in a new setting, so for example, um, I just went to my new college orientation yeah. and certain people gave off certain energies that I was ultimately ultimately attracted to and I think that's a good like you said a good stepping stone into understanding what I would expect from a partner certain mm-hmm. things that I like and um, when I hear certain people talk about certain things or um, certain small acts that they do and I'm like hey I kind of want to be their friend now mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily anything that's more of a romantic attraction or anything but like you said it's completely platonic but it mm-hmm. kind of informs me of what I am attracted to and what I could be looking for in a potential partner. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, what, when you say that, I do think that there are certain, like, when I think back to, like, your Hollywood question, the kind of traditional stuff mm-hmm. that, like, maybe we've been taught to do can also be done without, um, in a way that's not, uh, what's the word, um, authentic. Mm. <coughs> and what I mean by that is, like, sometimes people might carry your books for you because they want something from you yeah right and so that's why the platonic playground is a really great place to start because you're like oh you like let's be friends let's go get a coffee right let's go take a walk during the day right we were talking about casual dating right what that's all about (laughs) and it's like you know i'm not great at answering that question but i am i can tell you that keeping it platonic in the beginning is a great way to see if you even like the person and if they're authentic and genuine. And you know in your gut and intuitively yeah. when someone is real. And if they're real and if they're, if they're really meaningful and, and, and able to connect with you in a meaningful way, then it's like, cool, like maybe this could be more. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to immediately go to like, is this the thing? Is this like going to be it? Yeah. You know? And naturally, our bodies and our and our as we get older, you know, th- there is that question, right? It's always like, oh man, is there something here? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really nice to slow down and just to allow. I think, especially as we were saying in 2019, slow down and just be like, yo, like let's get to know each other for a minute. Yeah. Let's see how we feel together, and and articulate our truths. You know, like if you're vulnerable with someone or they're vulnerable with you, and maybe it's like, yo, I'm kind of scared about going too deep with someone too fast, you know? It's like, oh, do they respect that? Mm-hmm. Are they cool about that? Or they, do they push you, you know? And, like, you want to see who can respect you. And also maybe they share their vulnerability. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, this is what I'm scared about. Or, yeah, like, you know what? Like, I actually, like, only go fast. And it's like, <laughs> cool, like, meet my friend, you know? Right. Whatever. But I, I think that there's, there's, there's a real communication opportunity and in this time, it's one of the hardest things to do, but one of the most important things to learn mm-hmm. is how to be communicative about your feelings and learn how to be open and vulnerable in a way that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be taken advantage of, but allows you to share your truth, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, so back to what you were saying about um, some people might have the purest intentions. Mm-hmm. So um, for me... My mom used to always tell me if there's, like, a slightest red flag, mm-hmm. you should, like, go the other way. <laughs> um, but for me, I'm a second chance type of a person, and um, I don't want to necessarily hurt that person, especially if I can't articulate a real reason why. If I'm just like, oh, it's a gut feeling, I don't really mm-hmm. like you anymore about it, you know? <laughs> um, so I would say, how would you go about that? Like, when you feel um, that a person isn't being authentic for you, or if you're just getting a bad vibe, or if maybe someone was perfectly fine, you felt like you were vibing really well, and you guys got along really well, but it turned out that they weren't who they say they were, or they weren't, didn't have the purest intentions dealing with that. I think communication, again, is so valuable. And mm-hmm. so if it's someone who you respect and you want to continue to engage with, I think it's a great opportunity to sit down and say, hey, like, can you chat? You know, mm-hmm. And just be like, hey, when you did this, I felt this. 
that might not have been what you intended, but that's how I felt, and it felt inauthentic or it felt uncomfortable for me. Um, like, what did, did you feel that, mm-hmm. or what did you feel? You know, and and getting into that dynamic and seeing does that change the behavior, right? Does that like can you grow through it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's like a, a mini trauma, it's a mini obstacle, and you're like, cool, we're gonna confront this, we're gonna face it head on and say like, hey, like I felt this. I noticed it was a little uncomfortable or you didn't keep your word or I felt like you were doing this for another reason and you didn't yeah. say it, but your energy kind of did and just see if they'll own up to it. And then either they'll say, you're right, I'm sorry, or that was wrong, or I'll change or they'll be like, no, 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 no way. And then you get to say, okay, cool. And then take that word at face value and see how things change. And if they change in alignment with what your values are and you still feel good, beautiful. And if they still feel icky or weird or like that wasn't well resolved, maybe it's another conversation. Maybe they'll come back to you. Maybe it's, you know, like keep them at arm's length until like they really, you know, can can prove that they're worth spending time with. And if it's like a light touch, someone that like you don't aren't that close with, sometimes it's like it doesn't make sense to continue to pursue yeah. anything, right? And it's like, you know, I don't really know this person that well. I don't need to have a confrontation with them. I'm just going to like keep my distance for now and like Maybe I'll see him again sometime, you know? Yeah. But it, it, I think inevitably we run into challenges. Inevitably we get burned, right? Like betrayal happens. People do things that let us down. Feelings get involved. And that's part of being an adult. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are take, hold, held accountable for that, and sometimes they're not. And sometimes they should be, and sometimes they shouldn't. Right. And sometimes you need to take most of the time. I think you need to take responsibility for um, how you're showing up. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially if it's something that is not out of your control or you're being forced in a situation that you don't want to be in, like that is not okay, And you need to learn how to ideally remove yourself from that situation as quickly as possible. Right. And and be in safety. Right. That's Mm -hmm. one of the basic needs is safety. So always be prioritizing safety. But if you're in safety and people still mess up, which they will, mm-hmm. and especially at, you know, at your age, like that's what's going to happen. People are learning, right? Yeah. We're all learning. And even beyond, well beyond your age, believe me, like mm-hmm. people are constantly learning and informed by trauma and don't have great you know, models of love. And so a lot of times people go into fear. They go into anger. They go into hate. They go into whatever it is, mistrust taking advantage of things, taking advantage of situations so that they can do well for themselves but not thinking about other people. And unfortunately, that only really hurts them in the end. Yeah. But it can also leave a lot of issues and pain in their wake. Um, so it doesn't only hurt them, but it, it, the, the ultimate loser is the person who's, who's really not being good to others. Um, but I, I think to answer your question, trust your gut communicate as much as you can and if it's not worth it walk away and if it's not safe don't go in mm-hmm. um, do you see um, a relationship between confrontation and communication and self-love because I think that was one of an issue that I had a confrontation just putting myself out there to call someone out and be firm in it and not back down when I see someone else taking something that I said the wrong way or something mm-hmm. like that. Do you see a connection between Absolutely, the two? yeah. I think it's extremely self-loving to be able to own your truth, to yeah. speak your truth, and to share that with someone else who needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. I also think that be, the, the calling out um, in public um, sometimes feels, in my experience... Not always, but, but sometimes feels unnecessary when it's something that can be dealt with one-on-one. Yeah. And you can privately say, hey, listen, what you said or the way you behaved didn't feel good. And I just want to say that's my truth, you know, and I want, I'd love to hear from you, but I hope we can move past this. But I just mm-hmm. want to let you know, like, that wasn't, that wasn't cool and mm-hmm. I didn't feel good. Um, and I think one of the issues that comes up is a lot of people skip that step and go straight because they might have fear around that or they might not want to have that kind of confrontation, but they're totally feel more supported doing it in public or in front of other people because they feel like it's a safer thing to do. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that might be true, but I also think it's less effective because when you're calling someone out in public, what you're doing is you're alienating them and you're, and you're, and you're basically putting them on trial in front of their peers. 
And so, of course, it's going to be a lot harder to actually productively move past that. Because not only are you calling out their bad behavior, but you're kind of um, embarrassing them, right? And putting them on blast. And so it's important to notice the nuance there and creating, again, a safe place for confrontation where you can, and we don't have a lot of these, but maybe it's you and a friend, maybe it's, you know, just being in a public place, but being able to really have a conversation that's an adult conversation and be like, look, like, I want to speak my truth and I'd love to hear yours and make space for all truths to be spoken and just say, this is what I felt, this is how I feel, this is how I want to move forward happy to hear what you feel or how you want to move forward mm-hmm. and I need to set boundaries here right yeah that's so important setting boundaries um, and I think I have another question which is kind of a little bit different from this topic but yeah. we did touch on this um, before uh, yesterday cool and how different people bring different things out of you and um, the response was we're multifaceted people you know that's okay so um how do you go about finding those different people without necessarily having to be around others or um, learning how to love all of them and bring them all together to be the person that you truly want to be? Without necessarily having to be around others. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, like, if you want to discover different parts of yourself mm-hmm. without necessarily having to have another person next to you going mm-hmm. along with discovering yourself by yourself, being independent in that mm-hmm. process. Um, read books. Read books, okay. Check out different types of media, listen to podcasts, like, just, like, like study, right? Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, whoa, I'm really into this. Yeah. This really excites me. I'm passionate about this. I never knew I would be. I never thought I would be. Like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? And this is a different side of me. You know, like, I'm really into sci-fi. I'm really into Harry Potter, whatever it is. You know, like, I never thought I would be. Or, you know, I'm really curious about this topic, and so I'm going to read something on it. I'm going to see what it's all about. And I think those are safe, interesting ways where you don't necessarily have to engage other people, but you can study and start to see, like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of into that. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about the Internet is you can Google anything and literally, like, learn about it and be like, oh, wow, like, that's a kind of cool thing. And then you can usually find a community that's associated with it. So then when you want to start to engage with people... It's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm into field hockey. I'm going to find the local field hockey crew and, like, start playing with them or whatever it is, you know? And that's, like, a very benign example. But when it comes to love, I think um, finding groups that um, engage you and challenge you is really important. And as if you're studying therapy and psychotherapy and there's, there's so much work there and... Um, a lot of that is heady mental stuff where you're reading and it's like very much a process of like study mm-hmm. and learning and memorizing or taking tests or just like understanding theories. But there's also somatic work, which is body stuff. And that's like how you move, right? And experimenting with different types of meditation and breath and dance and exercise and um, play. And there's just so many different ways to engage with our bodies. And I learned a lot about self-love and embodiment and how getting out of our heads and into our bodies is actually a really important practice. Like yoga is a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Any type of exercise, any type of meditation where you drop out of your mind for a while and you can actually just feel yourself. And that can get you into really different alternate states and start to experiment with different sides of yourself and start to play with archetypes because we all have them, right? We all have different types of people that we can embody and be in Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to start to see oh wow like I can be this person in the classroom I can be this person in the dance crew I can be this person in on the sports field right and those are all different vibes they're different people I can go play cards with this person and feel one way and I can go out and you know out on the town with these guys and feel a completely different way Mm -hmm. and I, I, I think that there's it's cool to notice that and notice the different parts of you and who brings that out and who you who makes you feel most alive and most joyful because yeah everyone's everyone's totally different and the and the engagement of two people it's like imagine every person is like a destination you want to travel every human being is a destination where you can travel Mm -hmm. we're traveling right now right and so if you think about that be like, oh my gosh, like I get to go to this exotic place with this person. And that doesn't, you know, that can just be a conversation. Yeah. That can just be like mental to mental. Yeah. 
But there's other forms too, right? Like we could be dancing, we could be running, mm. we could be, you know, like out playing hopscotch. So there's so many different forms. We could be playing Uno. So yeah. I, I just think it's cool to notice, like, play with interaction and play with archetype mm. and think like, you know, I love to go in a weird accent. I love the Philly accent, right? And mm. I don't have a Philly accent, but sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, let's go down Broad Street. Let's go to Phil's game. Get macaroni salad. Give me a water. Let's get a water rice at Rita's. So, like, it's like, there's another person, right? Yeah. And, and I, don't, I just love that stuff. It's like the science of people. It's like what makes us so interesting. Yeah. And, and it's whether it's an accent or it could be, um, yeah, like, nerding out sometimes and feeling like, oh, I just love, like, yeah, reading Harry Potter, whatever it is, you know? And then other times it's like, no, I just want to dance. I just want to... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen to music. Yeah, that makes sense. Like everything that you just said and what was said yesterday, that's why not one person can fill you up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's such an important thing to repeat. Not one person can fill you up. You might find your soulmate, but even that person mm-hmm. is not going to be everything for you. And yeah. so it's so important to maintain those friendships, maintain those other outlets, especially because it's stressful. For one person to be everything for you, mm-hmm. you know, like they can't hold all that right. and you can't hold all that for someone else. So like allow that to, to spread out and have many people who fill you up in different ways. Definitely. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any, any other questions, things coming up that, that you want to talk through on this podcast? We're, we're pretty much hitting the hour mark already, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> You hit, we hit a lot. We hit a lot. We did. What um, what are ways that people can find you? Why don't you share some of the things that you're up to? Okay, so my Instagram is very long, but I'm sorry. So it's two underscores dot Casanova C A S S N O V A dot underscore underscore. <laughs> okay. okay. So that's my Instagram, um, and then I have a link tree on there, which. The link tree will, of course, give you the link to everything that I'm doing, which is awesome. my podcast called It Be Like That, like you stated before. Mm-hmm. And that's on all platforms. Um, you have links to articles that I've written. I've partnered with a blog called Your Mind. Um, yeah, and I have an article up there about how social media kind of affected my generation of kids and things like that. Whoa, um, yeah. can't wait to read that. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, it was really fun to write. Uh, just to articulate it in a kind of romanticized way and then in a um, psychological way mm. and kind of being in it, not someone that's looking above it. So, yeah, that was really cool. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm working on some more stuff, trying to get it out there. Just stay tuned. Everything mm. is, I really do everything through my Instagram, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll post a look to the in, look, link to the Instagram uh, in the description at the bottom of this episode. Um, and, yeah, I just want to say, like, hearing you speak on all that, I know, like, the dynamics of social media uh, in your generation and, like, mental health yes, are, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, challenges between those relationships and, and how social media is showing up and, a ne- and having a negative impact on, on folks' mental health and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's incredible to be writing and studying that and also getting into the field of psychology. So mm-hmm. props to you for doing that work. Thank and you. It seems like you've made it through high school pretty pretty healthy you know you're, yeah. seeing, you're like still smiling you're still like psyched for what's next yeah definitely uh high school was a unique journey i've actually talked about that on my own podcast as well the first one cool um yeah it was a lot of self-discovery mm-hmm. i think and um my junior year i spent a lot of time alone mm. i needed to do that because that was when i just had to sit and really think about who i wanted to be and how to become that person and wow um comparison was a really big thing for me so Mm -hmm. um that's something that I had to teach myself to get out of and Mm -hmm. I think surrounding myself with just me for a second you know that also helped and I mean it's still something that I battle with today especially in the climate of social media and uh, seeing how what everybody else is doing 24 7 Mm -hmm. um so just learning that balance of so important yeah you do you and honor that and know everyone's doing their own thing and there's no better or worse you know Mm -hmm. it's just everyone is wow well thank you for that thank you yeah this this has been awesome yeah i'm so glad we made it happen last minute 
So, Cassandra Lopez, we will be posting the link to her Instagram in the bio. Oh, one on-the-spot question, mm-hmm. which I'd love for you to answer if you, ha- if you can, is what's your favorite love song? Oh, um, no, that's so hard. <laughs> or what's the first love song that comes to mind? Um, it's really bad, but that's okay. it's, a, it's a Selena Gomez love song. Because um, it's like the first one. I was just talking about this a few days ago. I totally forgot the name. How does it go? Um, I love you like a love song, baby. There you go. All right. Okay, we'll play that on the outro. I love you like a love song. (laughs) Perfect. Selena, thank you for that. This has been Love Extremist Radio. I'm Ethan Lipsitz. Find me on Instagram at E-T-H-A-N-L-I-P-S-I-T-Z. And please share this with your friends and family. Post a rating and a comment on iTunes and wherever you listen. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Cassandra. Thank you. Bye. Naturally and then naturally. Okay, Kosama, to so yolasiko. Tsukino Sinkawa Selena Gomez. Whoa, whoa. It's been said and done. Every beautiful And I-